It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On A's, your daily Oakland A's podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. How's it going, A's fans, and welcome to episode 214 of the Locked On A's podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, noted baseball fan, Jason Burke, and on today's episode, the A's signed Mitch Moreland and Trevor Rosenthal on Thursday. So what do they bring to the team, and how could that impact the roster for opening day? Hopefully by the end of this episode, we'll have a better idea, because there is a lot of moving parts to go over, so uh, stay tuned for all that stuff. Before I get into any of that, though, please make sure to follow us on social media, at Locked On A's on Twitter and Instagram. Instagram. I'm at by Jason B on Twitter. And if you have any questions for us, please send those to lockdownathletics at gmail.com. So let's start with Trevor Rosenthal. At the start of the offseason, MLB trade rumors projected that he would get a two-year deal worth $14 million. The A's signed him for one year and $11 million. And according to Ken Rosenthal, Trevor Rosenthal, no relation, is getting $3 million from the A's in 2021. $3 million from the A's in 2022, and $5 million from the A's in 2023, which I think is their biggest expenditure on the books right now. So, uh, yeah, they don't have a lot of guys under contract that are not arbitration eligible. So uh, why not, if you're John Fisher, why not just kick that can down the road a little bit? Uh, they can't really trade that money, so whatever. Anyways, in the grand scheme of things, Rosenthal, Trevor, not Ken, uh, makes out pretty good here if he can turn 2021 into another good paying deal uh, next offseason. So it's not a bad deal for him. He's going to be getting some supplemental money. And if he signs a contract for like three years, $30 million or something like that, then all of a sudden he's making, uh, if that's $10 million a year, he's got 13 and $15 million. And all of a sudden that's a really, really good contract for somebody like Trevor Rosenthal. So so best of luck to Trevor Rosenthal and uh, hopefully he brings the A's a world championship along the way. Uh, but back to who they actually got in this signing and that is uh, Trevor Rosenthal. He had a solid 23 and two-thirds innings in 2020 between the Royals and Padres, finishing with a 190 ERA and 14.5 strikeouts per nine. By comparison, Liam Hendricks had a 178 ERA and 13.1 strikeouts per nine. So in that respect, Rosenthal looks like a suitable replacement for Liam Hendricks. And that is something that I didn't think we could find. And the A's actually did it. The slight downside with Trevor Rosenthal is that he actually had a walk rate of three per nine compared to Liam's 1.1 per nine last season. So he may be closer to 20 19 Liam Hendricks than the 2020 version if he can keep up with his performance from last season. And that is a big question for Rosenthal. That is the other quote-unquote downside of having Trevor Rosenthal as opposed to Liam Hendricks. And that is because in 2019 he struggled in his 15 innings of work totaling a 13.5 ERA or 13.50 ERA. And that was his first action since getting Tommy John in 2017. So is he fully recovered from Tommy John? We're going to find out when he's wearing green and gold. He'd been pretty solid with the Cardinals up until the surgery. So I'm feeling pretty good about his chances for success, but I'm a little bit worried about what kind of a workload he's going to be able to handle in 2021 with the A's after pitching a total of 39 innings the past two seasons. But back to the bright side of things here, uh, Rosenthal throws hard. He averaged 98 miles an hour with his fastball, putting him in the 99th percentile in terms of velocity. 
but he also ranks in the 95th percentile in whiffs, so he throws hard and gets a bunch of swings and misses. So you may be asking yourself, what does he throw? Well, last season, he utilized his heater to both righties and lefties, but 65% of his sliders came against righties and 88% of his changeups came against lefties. And that changeup has been a big whiff pitch for him. He's hit uh, 80% whiffs one season, uh, shortened season, obviously. Uh, he's hit 40% whiffs, which is his biggest swing and miss pitch. So the changeup is going to be an interesting one to keep an eye on. And also if he can keep the ball on the zone, because if he can do that, then he's going to be great. Um, this is more or less makes him a two pitch pitcher on each side. If you think about it, because he's throwing basically only the changeup to lefties. So it's not really a threat against righties, but he'll sprinkle in a sinker now and again, but those also accounted for only 3% of his pitches in total last year, he's never thrown it a bunch and he only started throwing it a couple of years ago. So it's not a huge pitch for him, but he can, maybe the A's can work on that one and make him a sinker baller as well. But if you're looking for somebody who's going to replace Liam Hendricks, the numbers are saying that he should be just as good as Liam Hendricks. So this looks like a great signing, especially with the deferred money. I don't care how, how he gets the money. I just hope that he gets paid as much as he can, even if the A's are the ones that are paying him because the A's should also be paying people. So I'll talk about how this impacts the arms in the bullpen in the second half of this episode. But for now, I'm going to switch over to Mitch Moreland's numbers uh, because the A's signed him too. So in the Chris Davis trade podcast, I mentioned both Mitch Moreland and Jed Lowry as potential additions to fill the DH vacancy left by Chris Davis. And now the A's have both guys. So I think I have an internship with the A's. Uh, they didn't tell me I'm getting no money. It's an unpaid internship, but they're doing whatever I say. So uh, you're welcome. Uh, to the front office. I don't know that the Ace fans are going to be welcome for this one yet because I don't know if they're, they're going to work out. But I was like, yeah, these are some guys that are available still. And now they're not because they're with the Ace. So the A's have both Mitch Moreland and Jed Lowry. I have no idea how both of them are going to fit on the roster just yet, but uh, I'm going to talk about that in the second half of this episode as well. So uh, stay tuned. Uh, but let's talk about Mitch Moreland and the actual signing at hand here because Mitch Moreland comes to the A's on a one-year $2.25 million deal. And at 35, he's basically relegated to playing first base sparingly and then basically just DH work. He's going to be the A's DH on a decent amount of days. Uh, what Moreland does best, however, is barrel up balls. He ranked in the 91st per percentile in barrel percentage in 2021 at 14.4%. He's also been at least roughly league average every year in his career, and he's collected an OPS plus of 102, 112, and 139 over the past three seasons, so he's trending in the right direction. Like Chris Davis, he'll likely be a platoon bat at this point in his career, but Moreland also swings a lefty bat, which will be helpful when balancing the lineup and also making it so that Matt Olson isn't the only big lefty bat with power in the lineup on any given day. And if you think about it, this signing should also help keep some of the opponent's toughest lefty bullpen arms away from Matt Olson on at least a few occasions over the course of the season if Bob Melvin pulls some strings at the right times, which I have no doubt that he can and will do. So if you think about it like that, maybe they want to have their tough lefty against Mitch Moreland instead of Matt Olson or because it's the first guy that came up and then he's burned and then Matt Olson can have a big at bat later on against a righty who has better odds against. So, uh, if you think about it, 40 chess is all I'm saying. Um, I'm thinking of Moreland as this team's version of Johnny Gomes, but with fewer strikeouts. And I'm talking about the 2012 version, not the 2014 version of Johnny Gomes. So uh, I think that that's a pretty decent bat to add to the lineup if you're the Oakland A's in 2021. If Moreland gives the A's like 20 homers and gets on base at a 340 clip with a 260 batting average, I think that that's right in line with what he's capable of. And that line would be a huge boost for a part-time player and a bat off the bench. You get a lefty off the bench like that, all of a sudden you're like, hey, you got a 
watch who you're putting in from the bullpen because Mitch Moreland's going to come in and you got to stay in for three batters, my friends. But coming up on the show, I'm going to tell you how the A's are going to make room on the roster for these two guys and how the bullpen and lineup might shake out. So stay locked in with Locked On A's and I will be right back. Today's episode is brought to you guys by BetOnline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to place bets on all of the sports action. Football might be over, but NBA, college basketball, and NHL are in full swing. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. So head on over to their website at BetOnline.ag or use your mobile device to sign up today for a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use the code LOCKEDON. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Today's show is also brought to you guys by Built Bar. Built Bar is delicious. They keep sending us stuff. I keep saying, oh, I wish that I had some more Built Bars. And then more just show up. I'm not ordering these. They're just being very nice and sending me all these different flavors. And they're having a flash sale right now on the Coconut Puff Bar. I have not tried this one. They did not send this one to me. But everything that they have sent me lately has been delicious. They have It has luscious chocolate and soft marshmallow. It is made with premium collagen protein blend. It has 16 grams of protein. 130 calories and only six grams of sugar. This one is gluten-free. It is preservative-free and it is available only for a limited time. It is a one-day sale. So go to builtbar.com and get your coconut puff bars today because you can only get them today. It's a flash sale. That's how flash sales work. Uh, and also, if you feel like filling up your cart with other things, um, the lemon almond cheesecake, delicious. Cherry barcia, delicious. Um, those are the two that I like the most, but they have a bunch of different things that you should really go check out. Pick some flavors that you like. It's going to be delicious. Go to beltbar.com. Enter code locked on for those ones. Uh, and while you're there, pick up a coconut puff bar. It's a flash sale. We're covering everything you need to know about the A's, but what about the rest of sports? Now the Locked On Podcast Network has you covered there as well with Locked On Today. It's hosted by the great Peter Bukowski, and it's all the sports you need every morning in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to Locked On Today wherever you hear podcasts or like podcasts. Go download the podcast. You know, if you're listening to this, you know how to go get it. So go do that. It's also on radio.com if you feel like doing that. Anyways, welcome back to the Locked On A's podcast. If you are enjoying the show and uh, also my... uh, (laughs) attempt to read ads, uh, feel free to subscribe to the show wherever you like hearing podcasts, like radio.com or wherever. Um, you can also follow us on social media at Locked On A's on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at by Jason B on Twitter. And if you have any questions for us, please send those to LockedOnAthletics at gmail.com. So let's get right into it. The A's have to find a way to squeeze these two guys that I talked about in the first segment onto an already crowded 40-man roster, and they still have to find a spot for Yusmero Petit. So they got three spots, nowhere to put them, don't know what's going to go on. Um, we're we're going to find out because Yusmero Petit, his signing has not been officially made official because they don't have room for him yet. Nadorf retired on Wednesday, and the A's subsequently announced the signing of Sergio Romo. So uh, that that made room for one guy that they needed room for. And if we stick with my assumption for Monday that Paul Blackburn and Dustin Fowler are either going to be DFA'd or traded, then that would leave one more spot that would need to open up. So before we get into how the roster is going to be constructed, we got to get these guys on the 40-man roster. So that's what we're doing at the first part of this segment. Um, since the A's have signed Mike Fires, Yusmer Petit, Sergio Romo, and Trevor Rosendahl, almost said Ken, uh, and traded for Adam Kalarik, I'm assuming that the player that's going to be removed here is going to be a pitcher. So 
There's no obvious answer because the A's have lots of decent pitchers with some upside. But if I have to take a stab at it, my guess is that the candidates are going to be either Juan Charles or Miguel Romero. You could potentially include Danny Jimenez, the Rule 5 guy, uh, just because he has the added stipulation that he has to stay in the big leagues or be offered back to the Toronto Blue Jays uh, in order to keep him in the A's organization. So it may be a roll of the dice to keep him in and uh, keep him on the roster. And then if he doesn't make it for the course of the season, which if the A's take a guy in the Rule 5 draft and he makes it to opening day, he's probably making it all the way through the end of the season. But uh, if he does not, then he would be offered back to the Toronto Blue Jays. And maybe you don't want to take that chance and you want to keep Juan Charles and Miguel Romero in this particular instance. Um, I'd say that it's between those three pitchers and the decision will be made because of basically who the A's have the least faith in or the guy that they can sneak through waivers. It's one of those two things. Uh, Which one do they feel like they could do the best without or which one can they still sneak through waivers and still have team control over uh, if he is in fact removed from the 40-man roster. So those are the two uh, lines of thinking that I was going with here. And I have to think that they like Jimenez's profile and would like to get a look at the adjustments that they've had him make to his breaking pitches in game action before offering him back to Toronto. So that would limit it to either Juanison Charles or uh, Miguel Romero. And Charles is younger and potentially has a little bit more upside than Romero. So if I'm guessing, I think that it would be uh, Miguel Romero who would be the low man on this list if these are the three guys that they're deciding between. And there's a chance that he could go unclaimed by another team and be turned into essentially a non-tender invitee for the A's this spring training. Or the A's could end up making a trade involving someone on the 40-man roster not named Matt Chapman. Do not think that it's Matt Chapman. I'm going to keep saying that every time I say trade just because uh, he's not being moved just yet, you guys. Um, but I th- they could move somebody else that's on the 40-man roster in the, in the next day or two, and then that could also open up a spot on the 40-man roster, which is uh, all the A's really need right now. They need spots because they got lots of talent right now. Um, so with that out of the way, here's the bullpen as I am constructing it. If I was going to construct it right now, here's who, who's in their bullpen, and you got Trevor Rosenball. He is the presumptive closer, and that leaves Jake Diekman to be deployed in tough situations just like he was last season. I'd say that Romo could be the seventh or the eighth inning guy, depending on when Diekman is being used on a game to game basis. They could they could be interchanged. It doesn't necessarily matter. Then you got Adam Kalarik, who may be your guy to go get an inning-ending double play. And then you got Yuzmira Petit and J.B. Wendelkin that could be used in fairly similar roles, just rotating days. They can come in to put out the fire. And we saw Wendelkin being used in that role in the playoffs in 2020. And while I'm comfortable with him in the later innings too, there's just so many arms with longer track records that seem to slot ahead of him that I think that he's going to be a little bit relegated to kind of how we saw him being used in 20. 20 throughout the regular season. Um, he's still a really good arm, but uh, those right there, that's six guys in the bullpen that I think that we're all fairly confident in. So from there, assuming that Danny Jimenez does not get offered back to the Blue Jays, I'm just going to put him in the pen at this stage in spring training because he has to be on the club because he's a rule five pick. So Danny Jimenez is number seven in my bullpen. And then finally, I'm throwing Nick Turley in this bullpen as the third lefty. He hasn't had a ton of big league success, but as the eighth man in the bullpen, Bob Melvin can use him in specific situations to have him work on whatever it was that the A's liked about him in the first place without fear of their results. That role could grow into bigger situations as the season progresses, and then all of a sudden you got another really good lefty that you can rely on. Uh, And if the A's wanted to go for a ninth bullpen arm, I'm guessing that it could actually be a maybe not a, a legitimate battle, but it could be a battle between Lou Trevino and Birch Smith. 
they got some depth to you guys. And you also got Jordan Wien, who I'm not even talking about, but he'd be in the, I'm assuming he's going to be in the minors. So you got Lou Trevino and Birch Smith as your ninth man in the rotation as I'm drawing it up. And I know that Trevino is highly regarded by A's coaches and probably should be in the bullpen, but Trevino has two options left, which means that if he isn't on the 26 man roster, he's not placed on waivers or anything. The A's still have team control over him and Birch Smith still has one option left. So it's not like they're losing him if he doesn't make the team. And I know that he's a 32 year old reliever and they kind of grow on trees, especially in Oakland, but maybe the A's don't want to burn that option just yet. Maybe they want to keep that open just in case something fishy happens later down the road. And I think that if it came down to it, Trevino definitely gets that spot. It's the ninth man in the road to, in the, uh, in the bullpen. But if you're making a case for Birch Smith over Lou Trevino, that's the case right there is he only has one option left and I, he's 32. I know that he might not even need the option, but that would be the case that I would present if uh, you were making one for Birch Smith over Lou Trevino. The question of how many relievers the A's start the season with could be up to how the Jed Lowry and Mitch Moreland situation goes at DH or more specifically how Jed Lowry is doing. If both guys are healthy heading into the season, it's likely that they're both going to be on the roster and Lowry can split some time at second base and DH while Moreland platoons the DH spot and plays against righties, but what that would mean is that the A's would likely have to go with an eight-man bullpen to start the season, effectively cutting Trevino and Birch from the 26-man roster and just having them start in AAA because they have options. Why would that be? Here's my lineup for the A's. And these aren't in order of, you know, this batting first for the Oakland A's. It's just, uh, you know, all the positions listed in order. You got Sean Murphy, Matt Olson, Chad Pender, Matt Chapman, Elvis Andrews, Steven Biscotti, uh, Ramon Laureano, Mark Canna, and Mitch Moreland. That's nine guys right there. Then you have Kemp, who's platooning at second base with Pender. He can also play a little bit of outfield. He's a lefty bat, so you kind of need him. Then you got Jed Lowry, who's platooning at second base and D and then likely Kai Tom because he's a rule five pick. He's another lefty bat. You need lefty bats in this lineup. And uh, I think that he'd be the fourth outfielder. So there's your roster if you got nine relief arms. But I think that you need that fifth outfielder just to give you a little bit more versatility, maybe add another lefty bat. So uh, you can probably get by with the roster that I just named on a day-to-day basis. But Two of the bench spots are taken up by a second base and DH platoon, which is not necessarily a versatile lineup for you guys. Obviously, uh, Chad Pinder can play everywhere. Uh, Tony Kemp can play a bunch of different spots. So it's not like you're really limited to second base and DH, but I think that, you'd, that the A's might want a little bit more versatility in there. And I wouldn't be mad with a three-man bench because of the potential that Jed Lowry brings. And if Pinder acts as a fifth outfielder with Pinder taking over platoon time at second, then it would, could certainly work, especially if Jed Lowry's taken over Pinder time at second base. Uh, I just don't know that we can rely on that just now with how uh, injured Jed has been in recent years. There are just a lot of moving pieces with such a short bench, and I don't know that the A's are necessarily well equipped for that just yet. There's going to be some interesting assembly required with this roster, and I think that it all hinges on Jed Lowry's health as of right now, and I also think that the A's are going to give him every chance to make the team because of his history with the club and what he's done for them in the past. If he's healthy, obviously they have a lot of faith in him, but if he's not playing well or he's injured obviously they're going to cut bait with him at some point so if they can capture some of that for even just a couple of months of what Jed Lowry's done in the past then the A's would be better for it but without knowing all of the variables in play right now we're just going to have to wait and see where some of these pieces fall before the roster starts to take its final form right now they'll either have eight relievers leaving Birch Smith and Lou Trevino on the outside looking in while including an extra lefty outfielder like Seth Brown Greg Diekman or Luis Barrera or they'll have nine relievers and a three-man bench that likely consists of Tony Kemp Jed Lowry and Kai Tom 
Typically, the A's have a pretty straightforward roster to assemble, but this year there are moving parts and that adds an extra layer of fun to spring training. So make sure to tune in every day to keep up to date with your Oakland A's and keep an ear out for my episode comparing the Padres' nearly billion-dollar infield after they signed Fernando Tatis Jr. to that massive contract, and I'm going to be comparing that to the A's $100,000 infield of the 1910s. It's going to be a lot of fun, and it'll hit your feeds this weekend, so make sure you're subscribed to the pod wherever you like hearing podcasts. I'm also talking to Martin Gallegos of MLB.com on Sunday night, so that will be in your feeds on Monday morning. But that is it for me today, so until next time, stay indoors and celebrate good times, Oakland. Keep wearing those masks, and I will talk with you guys soon. Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.